0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio
1: on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: Good
2: morning or good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And I hope that everyone's having a very blessed and memorable day remembering what Memorial Day is really all about. And a lot of people get confused about it, but we're going to make sure they're not confused after the show. We've got our host on the other line, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg, and uh, Philip has been gracious enough to uh, let me uh, rant just a moment before we get started with the show itself. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this uh, all weekend, and the friends that I've lost, and there's one Bible verse. It's John fifteen thirteen. No greater love hath one than to lay down his life for his friends. And that's really what being a soldier is all about. And when you raise your right hand and take the oath to defend our country from both foreign and domestic enemies, that means that you'll do anything you have to do to defend our Constitution, and if it means we've heard the story many times of, of a person jumping on a grenade to save his buddies or save those folks around him, we've also heard and uh, just, And I would love for everybody to go to John fifteen, thirteen, in the second testament. It uh, it really shows what being a soldier is all about, and this goes back to early biblical days, that if you're willing to sacrifice yourself for your friends, that's what it's about. And uh, beyond that, I would like to particularly address the situation of today, Memorial Day, That and what it's for. It's to give thanks and remember those that have given the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me to live in a free country, the best country in the world. And I despise anybody that would argue the point of that this is not the best country in the world. We have proven it over and over again. And I feel like that every morning when you get up, And every night when you go to bed, I know I do it. And I'm not telling you that you have to do it. But think about those that have gone before, all the way back to the Revolutionary War, that they were willing to die for a purpose, a country, a reason for something better than they would ever had before. The freedoms to do many things, the freedoms to worship, the freedoms to live in prosperity. And we have built, and right now we're going through some very trying times of people trying to change what our Constitution and what hundreds of thousands have died for in a number of different wars. And whether the person died in country in a battle or in many cases have died after they returned home, either from disease or many other situations that have caused the death of our soldiers. Phil, would you like to add anything to what I've said?
1: Well, I I think you've you've done a good job uh, expressing it, uh, David. You know, and, and Memorial Day kind of means a lot of different things to different people. Some suggest that we should only uh, be, uh, the the day is intended just to honor those combat deaths. Um, And others will say, well, you know, it's to honor uh, those who have served in conflict and uh, have since passed, um, you know, they're, they're all good things to remember, right? But this is uh, Memorial Day. It's not Veterans Day. It's not, it's not the day to, uh, to uh, you know, contemplate the, the service of veterans and what they've done. It's specifically for uh, those who have passed on. Uh, and I think the best thing we can do on Memorial Day is to honor their memory. And to, uh, whether they are combat deaths or they survived and have since passed, so many, so many, many uh, Americans uh, have uh, given the ultimate for uh, our nation. Um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, in his Gettysburg Address, uh, referred to them as those who had given the last full measure of devotion.
2: I think that's a uh, beautiful line and uh, we should all take and ponder it. As we do in all of our shows or all of our veteran shows or military type shows, we take out a moment At the beginning of the show to have a moment of silence and think about it and think about those that have served, those that are serving. And today particularly, not only the men and women that have given the ultimate sacrifice, but also let's pray for their families. And whether it's uh, recent or... It's been in the past. The families deploy just like the soldier does. And a burden is laid on the family incredibly. And a lot of folks don't appreciate and don't understand that. So we'll take a moment and uh, we'll be back with you. And remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg right after this. I mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us on America's Web Radio and saluting all of those that and their families that have paid the ultimate. And, you know, you you join a branch of the military and you sign a document and you raise your hand and you sign a document that you're willing to give give the government a blank check And that is the ultimate sacrifice, that you'll do what has to be done. And it goes further than that by that you are there and will protect your buddy's back, his side, his forward, whatever. But it's a lot more than just signing a quick document and jumping right into battle it's the willing to the willingness to die for what you believe in and uh, i want to personally thank our host lieutenant colonel retired philip forsberg for his service and uh, you know i won't go past that other than Philip, I do appreciate the sacrifices that you and your family made while you were doing your different deployments. Thank you.
1: Um, you know, it's it's hard to know what to say uh, when people come in, up to you and, and say, you know, thank you for your service. Sometimes I, I forget I'm wearing a... Uh, article of clothing or something that uh, indicates uh, that I served, and uh, when they kind of catch me flat-footed when they they come up and say, thank you for your service, I, uh, I, you know, when I get my thoughts about me, I'll respond by saying, it was my honor to serve a grateful people and a grateful nation.
2: Well, you're very humble. And, uh, you know, when I think of it and the fact that so few, 1% of the nation ever serves, that's just, to me, I, I have a real problem with that. And, uh, you know, we love... The United States of America is so remarkable and has been so remarkable that, you know, it's made up of people that are remarkable, as a matter of fact. It, it couldn't have lasted like it has lasted without wonderful, country, country-loving citizens. And um, as we salute the soldiers, I also salute the citizens that love our country.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, David, at, at this time, thinking back to uh, Desert Storm, I'm really, really thankful uh, that it came off, that our Operation Desert Storm came off as well as it did. Um, <clears throat> I dug this up from the uh, U.S. Army Center for Military History. It says, in a, thousand, uh, in a hundred hours, U.S. and Allied ground forces in Iraq and Kuwait decisively defeated a battle-hardened and dangerous enemy. During air and ground operations, U.S. and Allied forces destroyed over 3,000 tanks, 1,400 armored personnel carriers, 2,200 artillery pieces, along with countless other vehicles. This was achieved at a cost to the United States of 96 soldiers killed in action, two dying subsequently of their wounds, and 105 non-hostile deaths. Um, the, you know, and of, of those 96 that, that were killed in action, uh, that includes 28 reservists from the, uh, from Pennsylvania, uh, from, from the Army Reserve uh, Army Reserve unit in Pennsylvania that uh, died when a uh, Scud missile hit the, uh, their barracks in Dahran, Saudi Arabia um, and I was the target of many a Scud missile at that time and thankfully it didn't hit me but the 28 died in that one uh, and that's a significant portion of the 96 that we had lost killed in action um, so I'm grateful that the number is low I'm grateful for all who served alongside me and um, <clears throat> at this time I'm reminded of the one individual I never met but I was aware of immediately after his death um, in Desert Storm it was actually an Army doctor from the Army Reserve by the name of Mark Connolly. Uh, he was in a vehicle that uh, uh, was hit by a a bomb or a a landmine or something, an unexploded ordnance they passed over. They were on their way to to treat uh, some uh, Iraqis who had surrendered, and uh, um, he uh, was was killed. And he happened to be a good friend of... uh, our flight surgeon that was assigned to my battalion. And, uh, I remember, um, our flight surgeon telling me that, uh, uh, this was the, uh, this was the individual who had, uh, led into his relationship with, uh, Jesus Christ and had explained the gospel effectively to him. And, uh, I was very saddened to hear, uh, that Dr. Connolly had had perished in this way. But, uh, yeah, so he's the one that I personally knew or had a personal connection to in any event uh, from from Desert Storm. Uh, I did meet uh, a woman who had a purple heart and I asked her where she got her purple heart and she told me that she was among the uh, Army reservists in the uh, in the barracks in there in they were hit, hit by the scud missile. And thankfully, she was not one of the 28 that were uh, killed on that attack. Um, so, you know, but there's a lot of folks who, uh, you know, in wars like Vietnam, there's, uh, you know, the, the numbers killed are quite about quite a bit uh, greater and uh, I knew one uh, one veteran uh, who had done three tours in Vietnam with the 173rd uh, Airborne Brigade and uh, they uh, when, when he filled out his uh, claim for PTSD he named the 24 names of the soldiers his unit that he saw uh, die there. So it's uh, it's a sobering thing, uh, you know. When you go in the service, you know, the uniform and you know the, the dress uniform's pretty and it has uh, pretty uh, decorations on it, and uh, there's a lot of uh, time for pageantry and celebration and uh, parading, etc. Uh, formal uh, uh, gatherings, dining ins military balls, etc. But but what's behind those uh, colorful strips of cloth uh, is a lot of suffering and a lot of deep labor, labor, and a lot of a lot of memories and uh, devotion like you say uh, no greater man has uh, no man has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends uh, so I'm always very humbled when I hear the stories of those who perished in combat I also think of uh, the one name on the, the obsidian wall there in, in D.C. that uh came from our hometown was a was a boy when I I was very very young uh I knew him. his name was Kenneth Messenger and uh he was a uh warrant officer pilot in uh in an army uh helicopter company there in uh Vietnam and he was killed when uh, his barracks were mortared on the 5th of May 1968 um and uh, that and it may have been uh, what really kind of motivated me to go uh, in the army and become a helicopter pilot.
2: You know, I guess for every soldier, it's it's something that has to be on the back of their mind, and you know, you don't know uh, when you go out on a mission if this is if this is the one or if this is not the one. And you know you're thankful to get back in one piece, and you pray that your buddies will also get back. And you know I I think, and you've seen this a lot, certainly more than I have, the uh, the folks that come back that have survived that are suffering from PTSD and. You know, and they're suffering from something that no one else can even come close to imagining, and that's the syndrome of, why did I make it and Joe didn't? And, you know, this isn't fair, I made it, and my best friend didn't, or my my squad didn't make it, and I made it, and, you know, what was the reason? And I'm sure that you've addressed that more than once.
1: Yeah, um, you know PTSD. Uh, it, it manifests itself in in different ways in, in different people. Uh, there are some similarities. There are some uh, common threads, uh, but uh, you know some some folks. Uh, <clears throat> typically, they, they don't want to talk to anybody about it who hadn't served in uniform and uh, and then sometimes a a couple fellows that I've known that uh, experienced PTSD from their time in Iraq uh, uh, they they're unable to stop telling stories about what's going on with but if it's somebody they can talk to they just can't stop telling them Uh, (laughs) so it's uh an interesting thing, um, and you know, but but the, the the mind, the brain, it's it's a uh, it's another organ, you know, and and, and you know, I have to tell these guys, listen, if, you know, if the army sent you out there and you hurt your leg, they'd be uh, obligated to treat your leg and to make it better, and uh, if, you know, if they've hurt your mind. And you know, they're obligated to take care of that as
0: well. well so uh
2: I'd in. like to expand this just a little bit because we do honor at the station we honor our first responders and I've said over and over again this nation is a first responder nation. And you know the the thing that a lot of folks don't realize Oh, PTSD! Oh, get over it! You know, you know, you're a man. You can, t- but it's like with first responders, and I was one many, many, many years ago. And whether you're on the battlefield or you're a first responder, EMT, you you don't want it, but you get the opportunity to see some horrific things, be it what man can do to man or what. Machine can do to man a horrific wreck or whatever the case might be. And you try to think, Oh, I'm tough and I've seen stuff before, and all this, but you never know when something you're going to see sticks in the back of your head, and you never know when it's going to come out and be part of your life for a while. And this is what, thank goodness that we have, and our psychiatrists and psychologists and our therapists, have started realizing the, you know, the horrific things that people see in wars. And, you know, from stories that I've had related to me, some of the things, you know, you can't believe any man would do that to another man or woman, or whatever the case might be, but just horrific things, and I'm glad our government has finally started really addressing it, and appreciating the fact that that is a combat wound.
1: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> a lot of these guys, if you read the uh, the citations of uh, of our troops who have uh, who have been awarded the Medal of Honor or the Silver Silver Star, uh, or even uh, a Bronze Star for uh, valor. There's a uh, there's a common thread, uh, and it, it just seems as though, as you read the narrative, they're faced with some very very horrible uh, conditions, and they don't succumb come to the luxury of melting down when uh, most anybody else would melt down and lose it, um, these guys uh, they man up and they and they take care of the situation and you know it's often at the cost of their own life. Uh, but, but those who survive those kind of situations in combat, they. Um, they later they have time to reflect you know, after the fog of war is gone and the safe and relaxed environment they get to ponder just what has happened and it it can have a lasting impact on these folks.
2: Oh, without a doubt. Phil, on that point we're going to need to take our first break, which I skipped over but we'll take one now and we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel retired Philip Forsberg
0: veteran-owned america's web radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons we wouldn't be able to do this without you if you are not already a patron you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the internet by becoming a patron patrons of america's web radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes join now and receive a free gift while supplies last for more information and to join our family please visit www.patreon.com slash americaswebradio if you have questions contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com and as always thank you for listening hello I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves if you do join us on the doctor's lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com.
1: Thank you for listening.
2: And we're back on America's Web Radio with our show, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And today we're remembering all of those and the families that... We're remembering all those that have given the ultimate sacrifice, uh, be it in country or after they got back from being deployed. And also, we always want to remember their families and extend that now to Uvalde, Texas, and other tragedies that have happened. And it's not only the victims, but it's also the victims' families. And But primarily on Memorial Day, it's to honor those that have given the ultimate sacrifice so we can be free. And um, we have our wonderful host, Philip Forsberg, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg, that... Uh, you know served in desert Shield and desert storm and you know Phil knows this better than than I do and uh Phil let me ask uh with your you're a uh, service officer with the DAV and I respect that a 100% uh, that you help the veterans families And you help the veteran themselves that are looking for answers to questions that uh, may have been overlooked. Are we doing as good a job as we should with those that are suffering from PTSD or suffering uh, wounds, and, and both in the family and the service person, the veteran, and and their families and the ones that have given the ultimate sacrifice are we taking care of those families like we should
1: uh you know David in many cases we are but you know we could always we could always do better um it it pains me to see certain folks i I was recently working with a veteran who uh didn't serve in combat, but he was uh, he was a victim of the, what they call the Green Ramp disaster at Pope Air Force Base in North Carolina back in 1994. Um, <clears throat> there were there was a group of paratroopers getting ready uh, to board an aircraft for uh, a, a parachute jump, and uh, somewhere in the pattern, a C-130 and a, and a uh, fighter aircraft uh, collided and uh, the uh, the pilot of the fighter aircraft ejected from the aircraft and that aircraft slammed into this uh, this building where all these paratroopers were uh, amassed and uh, uh, you know <clears throat> when I reviewed his records it turns out that uh the army had uh, retired him with a 10% disability and uh, I, I recently filed his claim for uh, compensation uh, due to traumatic brain injury and that w- that happened uh, 18 years ago and he had never claimed for it he showed me a photograph of uh, you know being in a hospital bed with his head all bandaged up and uh he was uh, being visited by President Clinton at the time and uh, I said well this should be pretty good evidence for your traumatic brain injury uh, claim um, but you know it, it I somehow I think someone in the army thought they would get away on the cheap by you know putting him out with a 10% few thousand dollars um it, it kind of disgusts me. I've I just seen that from the army. I've seen that from the Marines and the Navy and the Air Force as well. Uh, that they they put these guys out with such a low uh, level, and it's it, uh, I don't know if they think they're saving money or whatever. But I think it's a I think it's a travesty. A travesty
2: I, I started style. to say, what's it to them? It's not their dollar.
1: Yeah, uh i I can't say what might be going on in their thought process but to me this is the kind of thing that drives what I do uh in serving veterans and making sure that they can navigate the uh the bureaucracy that is the VA and i don't I don't mean that in a bad way when I call it a bureaucracy it is the uh, it's a bureaucracy and they're governed by laws and uh, administrative law and it's quite in-depth and it's quite uh, it's quite complicated and uh, the, the folks that uh, award these claims from, from the VA perspective they, they have to follow the law that's that's their charter and uh, there's just no uh resources for them to uh, take the time to explain the process and uh, the courses of action to the veterans. And so it's it's really best for them to go see a service officer, somebody who can explain uh, what, what their recourse might be uh, you know, when they've suffered lasting injury from their service.
2: Well, now will he get his back pay as well?
1: Well, the law only provides for him to be paid uh, from the time we submitted uh, when you submit the claim. Or in his case, uh, close to a year ago, uh, he came to see me, and we submitted uh, a document called the intent to file. And uh, so they'll backdate the pay that they give him back to uh, his intent to file, but when when you put in this intent to file, you only have 12 months to submit a completed claim after that time to be able to toss out the intent to file
0: hmm. without
1: action.
2: I I don't envy you for what you see and, and what you hear and what you go through, and I certainly appreciate... And I hope whoever's listening to this whether they're listening today or they're listening to it a year from today that if you have need, please go to a service officer what is a service officer um, we just had Phil explain it as a matter of fact and uh, they're there to help veterans and veteran families and they're, they can be found at VFW any of the service organizations American Legion, whatever it might be, whatever's close to you go and talk to them and find out there are benefits that are overlooked day in and day out that are due you or your family members for your service in the military and all of them are not like the story that uh, Phil just related, there are there are good service officers that will take care of you, and you you may be pleasantly surprised and if you're having problems with anything to do with being a veteran, contact a service officer. They're there to help, and I know you charge exorbitant fees, Phil. Maybe a Coca-Cola every now and then?
1: We never charge anything uh, for what we do for the veterans. And uh, there's no obligation to join the service organization. Uh, I think it's a good way to get involved and to help other vets and to stay abreast of the changes in the law. Um, You know, in addition to working with veterans on their claims, these service organizations have... uh, advocacy in Washington, and, uh, you know, of course, the big three are the American Legion, the FW and the Disabled American Veterans, and they collaborate, and many of us are, like me, members of all three of those organizations.
2: Well, like, so, go ahead. like you mentioned a minute ago, if uh, you ever get a veteran starting to tell stories, Uh, They don't ever stop with just one, as we've kidded about many, many times. Uh, But if you're in a situation that you're talking to other vets, and one of the vets says, well, you know, I've got a problem with the VA, or whatever, or I can't seem to get my insurance straight, or whatever the case might be, be sure and point them in the direction of a service officer. And by the way, Phil, do you know if they've opened up the archives yet or not?
1: Uh, I don't think they're back to operating. I was on their website. Uh, they said certain of certain of the things are back to normal, but uh, I think the, uh, the National Personnel Records Center is still in uh, a reduced staff, and uh, it's, it's difficult for them to get the records.
2: Mm. That's just appalling. But David,
1: on, you know, on the uh, we're talking about Memorial Day.
2: Yes, sir. Uh,
1: I did a little research and came up with some things. And I'll say first in uh, <clears throat> the disclaimer that I got this stuff, most of this stuff, from the internet. But uh, think back on it, not just Desert Storm, uh, but other, you know, conflicts that happened during uh, my time. In service, uh, including the uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, there have been uh, many deaths. More, more in uh, Iraq than Afghanistan. Uh, There was more uh, protracted fighting against an organized force, but. Uh I know that uh, during Just Cause which was the invasion of Panama to uh, take out Noriega uh, there were 23 killed and 325 wounded uh, the U.S. casualties uh, the Marine barracks in Beirut there were uh, not just Marines there were some soldiers and some sailors that in that Uh, 241 lost their lives that was uh, October 23 of 1983 and uh, there was also Operation Urgent Fury in Grenada Uh, there were uh, 18 uh, US troops killed one died subsequently of wounds and 115 were are uh, wounded uh, in Vietnam. Our uh, uh, dead from from Vietnam, 58,220.
2: And, by the way, as long as you're talking about that, I, I, I want to put a word in for Johns Creek. In Newtown Park is the Healing Wall, which is the... 50% replica of the actual Vietnam Wall in Washington DC. It's open every day 24/7. You can go there, find your loved ones or friend's name and uh, it just it's a beautiful park, Newtown Park, and I recommend any veteran, any Vietnam veteran or Vietnam veteran family go to Newtown Park and the wall. Uh, it has it's helped many many people over the years, and uh, I applaud Johns Creek for doing it. And uh, Mike Mazell has been the director of it and doing a wonderful job.
1: Um, you know, going and yeah, that is, it is a great uh, thing that that uh, the wall that heals. It's uh, it's very nice to be able to go and see and uh, have a record of those lives. And if, when you just stand back and you look at all the names, remember each each one of them is an individual. Uh, they're not just a statistic. Each one is a, an individual that loved this country enough to uh, give his life. The, uh, the Korean War, uh, combat deaths were 33,000. Six hundred and eighty-six. Then in the uh, World War II, combat deaths of 291,557 Americans. Um, The Civil War, which was very, very bad, um, because... It pains me that there were Americans killing Americans there, but that was 214,938 on the official record. Um, in, uh, in Iraq, we lost uh, 4,424 uh, in Afghanistan, 1,833. Uh, but going back further, the... Uh, the Mexican-American War, we lost 1733. The War of 1812, 2260. And in our Revolutionary War, the estimate is somewhere around 8,000 combat dead.
2: Phil, we're going to have to take our last break, and uh, we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Farsberg right after this.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com Thank you for listening.
2: And we're back on America's Web Radio and remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm and today it's a special remembering all of those. Memorial Day and... As a, what do you think about my idea of Memorial Day should be every day, Phil?
1: Well, uh every day we should be grateful for our freedoms and those who died uh, and and those who served uh, to preserve them. But uh, I think just like uh, we open the show with a moment of silence, uh, it's important to have just a a day each year when we remind ourselves that we are blessed with the... uh, with the efforts of so many noble folks uh, who've done so much uh, to keep us free. And uh, so so I think punctuating it one day a year is good, but personally, I'm like you, David. I, I celebrate the uh, lives and the memories of those who... Uh, loved our country that much I I celebrate that every day and I try to be grateful every day uh, for what they did
2: you know we don't know when we're going to be called on again but I think of all the countries do you know of any other country that has a memorial day type day
1: I don't, David. I don't. I don't know the practices of other countries. I know. That, I think the Canadians have something similar, and I know the the uh, the British do. Well, I'm familiar. I. You know, uh, when I visited Paris, I was uh, very amazed to see uh, this museum it's called the Invalides I don't don't speak French so I'm probably mispronouncing it but uh, it's basically a home that Napoleon built uh, for his uh, uh, war wounded uh, to take care of them and uh, of course they don't use it for that anymore but uh, it's a museum it's a a French military museum and uh, I showed my US military ID and I was allowed to come in for free and uh, it was uh, it was kind of an eye opener of Hmm. course going through their museum you uh, don't see much uh, in the way of the the allies that liberated France, it was mostly the French that liberated France from from the Nazis one of the things that uh struck me going through that museum, because it goes back hundreds of years before the foundation of our nation, it, uh, it seemed to me, as I, as I reviewed the history, military history of France, that uh, I think France had been at war with every nation on the planet at one time.
2: <laughs> and particularly England.
1: Well, yeah, that was a perennial favorite
2: back and forth, French and the English. <laughs> well, you know, war is, you know, goes back from the beginning of man, basically. And it's Cain and Abel. And, you know, it's, it's a shame that we can't live... Side by side and respectfully of our neighbors and everybody else and i I don't know whether we ever will. We've certainly had the opportunity and and have messed that up and i I don't want to preach or moralize but uh it is a shame that we can't live together. And the number of the numbers that you read off a minute ago from wars—what, what a futile thing, you know? I mean, why did those people have to die? I, you know, enough folks die naturally that we don't need to clean house with a war. For lack of better words
1: Uh, yeah you know as I get older uh, I'm more interested in living a a peaceful life and uh, avoiding conflict where I can but you know Jesus told us that there will be wars and rumors of wars until he comes back and uh, settles everything
2: And we've certainly got that today, enough of it, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, we can't go through our lives worrying about it because it's out of our hands, and uh, only one person knows when they, when a son will return, and uh, not for, not for me to know, not for any of us to know, and All we can do is pray for those that have served and those that are serving and uh, pray that uh, they'll be out of harm's way. And that's about all we can do. Uh, Again, I I want to reemphasize the importance of what you do, Phil, and that is as a service officer in helping veterans and veterans' families get the benefits that they deserve there are so many veterans and veteran families that don't realize that the government is there to help them and not always the way we think but that there are benefits that you or your family may be eligible for and you just don't know about them but Please, please go to a service officer and find out what is available and then take advantage of it. As a taxpayer, as we are all taxpayers, we pay for those benefits. We promised them to you, and you need to get them, and you need to take them. And uh, I don't know how it might help you out, but if you're listening... Today or in the future, go see a service officer at a service organization and let them help you. And you know, I, I guess the thing that I would emphasize is that it's everything from it's everything from money to hearing aids to glasses to on and on and on. Correct, Phil?
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you know the, the VA takes care of uh, a full range of uh, of care for veterans, and thanks to some recent uh, changes to the law, if they, if, if they don't, if they can't provide it in a timely manner, then they'll uh, then they'll pay the, uh, practitioners on the outside to uh, to do that for our veterans at no cost.
2: Which I, you know, I, there are many times that I can't say I applaud our government because I'd be outright lying, but there are times that I do applaud our government. And I think more now than probably ever, they're stepping up to the plate to take care of our veterans. I know some uh, uh, new. Uh, veteran home loan uh, products have become available if you can get your records. But uh, that's a whole nother subject. So, you know, we'll just have to keep working on it and, and it will come around to us and come around to us all at one point or the other. Uh, how do you think or how do you feel about the winding down or what's going on in uh, Ukraine now
1: I really don't have much visibility on what's going on in Ukraine uh I I heard the other day that uh our embassy there was just recently reopened in uh Kiev and um so I'm uh I'm I'm pleased for that uh I think uh, that the uh, the Russians are having a much slower go than they anticipated they would have uh, I don't think they anticipated what uh, what the world's response would be and uh, I think that you know, they're not very happy that uh, their uh, bellicose behavior has driven the Swedes and the Finns uh, to join NATO and uh, uh, I think that's the exact opposite of what they were hoping would happen Um, and I think uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's uh, a possibility, but when the hostilities cease, I could foresee Ukraine making an impassioned plea to join NATO Uh, and, you know, we have to think these things out Uh, you know, what what really is worthwhile for us. Uh, All the nations that got dragged into the First World War uh, was a result of treaty alliances between uh, the Germans and the Austrians, the French and the Russians, the English, the British and the the Belgians. Uh, It was sort of a, a domino effect that dragged everybody into it.
2: Well, hopefully we will be immune from that this time, but uh, I, unfortunately I don't uh, have a lot of confidence in our uh, leadership at the moment. But, again, it's uh, out of my hands, and uh, all we'll do is whatever we have to do.
1: You know, and I think our uh, we are taking uh, stock in what we see. Uh, the The Russian, uh, the Russian military, their equipment, their doctrine is not uh, sufficient to do, uh, you know, great things in a, in a short period. The way we did in Desert Storm, uh, just like we after. After Desert Storm, the uh, the Russians took stock of what their equipment and tactics and doctrine were like compared to American and allied equipment tactics and doctrine. And they, uh, well, they basically folded up the tent on, on the Soviet Union right. as a result. And I think uh, it made a lot of people understand that there's a big difference. And... Uh, and I think right now the Chinese are watching with great interest of what's going on in Ukraine, and I think this will figure into how or if or whether or not uh, they're going to uh, pursue any action.
2: Phil, uh, we're, for, once, I for once I'm paying attention to the time, and we're going to have to end it here. And uh, I want to thank you, Lieutenant Retired. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Farsberg for another great show and insight into what's going on in the military. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Phil, thank
1: you, sir. Thank you, David. bye
0: Bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.